The beauty of the Lord was so enchanting that it could not be sufficiently described. The goddess of fortune is supposed to be the most beautiful sight within the spiritual and material creations of the Lord. She has a sense of being the most beautiful, yet her beauty was defeated when the Lord appeared. In other words, the beauty of the goddess of fortune is secondary in the presence of the Lord. In the words of Vaishnava poets, it is said that the Lord's beauty is so enchanting that it defeats hundreds of thousands of cupids. He is therefore called Madan Mohan. It is also described that the Lord sometimes becomes mad after the beauty of Radharani. Poets describe that under these circumstances, although Lord Krishna is Madan Mohan, he becomes Madan Daha, or enchanted by the beauty of Radharani. Actually, the Lord's beauty is super excellent, surpassing even the beauty of Lakshmi and Vaikuta. The devotees of the Lord in the Vaikuta planets went to see the Lord as the most beautiful, but the devotees in Gokul or Krishna Loka want to see Radharani as more beautiful than Krishna. The adjustment is that the Lord, being a Bhakta Vatsam, or one who wants to please his devotees, assumes such features so that devotees like Lord Rama, Lord Shiva, and other demigods may be pleased. Here also, for the devotee sages, the Kumaras, the Lord appeared in his most beautiful feature, and they continued to see him with satiation and wanting to continue seeing him more and more. That one says with satiation? With satiation? Without satiation. And wanting to continue seeing him more and more. Jai Prabhupada. His countenance was distinguished by cheeks and enhanced the beauty of his alligator-shaped pendants. His outshone lightning. His nose was prominent and his head was covered with a gem-studded crown. A charming necklace hung between his stout arms, and his neck was adorned with a gem known by the name Koshtuba. The exquisite beauty of Narayana, being many times magnified by the intelligence of his devotees, was so attractive that it defeated the pride of the goddess of fortune in being the most beautiful. My dear demigods, the Lord who thus manifested himself is worshipable by me, by Lord Shiva, and by all of you. The sages regarded him with unsated eyes and joyously bowed their heads at his lotus feet. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Yaranjana Salakaya Chakshur Ammilitam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Venama Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Vachayane Tamupaya Vadapaya Shrikar Shizama Vidhogi De Ajnana Dvantagramana Vashchate Patitapara Jnana Guru Thaya Chitaharine Chakshashe Namaha Vancha kapa trubya sha, kripa sindhu beva cha, patitanam, mani byo, vaishnadevyo, namonama. Nama om Vishnu parai, Krishna krishtaya bhutane, shrimate bhati vedanta swami vitinamine. Namaste sarisvati deve, goramani vajarine, nirvishesha srinivari pashyata visitarine. Jai Sri Krishna jetanya prabhunitananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Gaurabhattavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So, three main topics is Krishna's Unparalleled beauty, which is the 64th quality. Of course, it's described in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. 
if we smashed the entire material universe and counted the atoms, then that wouldn't even compare to the qualities of Krishna, the extent and quantity of the qualities of Krishna. And also Krishna's um, mood or quality of bhakta-bhatsa, which means he wants to give pleasure to the devotees, to all the living entities, bhakta-bhatsa. And also how Krishna, he defeats the pride of the goddess of fortune. And we may have had an experience where uh, we're in a particular social setting and somebody walks in who's very beautiful and all eyes turn. Or I was thinking for a marriage or wedding ceremony. Sometimes you have different snacks to be distributed. But then when the wedding cake comes, everybody turns towards that very most delicious snack piece, <laughs> the wedding cake. Of course, Prabhupada gives the example that you have these lightning bugs, but they, they lose their prominence when the sun comes out. And I remember I grew up in Ohio, and um, at night there was lots of lightning bugs. We had this big backyard, and we used to play there so many games. And um, we used to catch these lightning bugs and put them in jars and see them light up. But they, you can't see them. You don't even know they exist when daytime comes, when the sun rises. So defeating the pride means the, the goddess of fortune is extremely beautiful. Prabhupada's saying, or this, this Lord Brahman is saying in this verse, Alakshmi Devi, um, being the most beautiful, defeating the pride of Lakshmi Devi. So if you're the most beautiful, there might be some pride, but Krishna defeats that pride with his beauty. And Cupid, Cupid is the enchanter of this world. Everything in this world moves under this way of Kamadev, who attracts, attracts us by the charm of material enjoyment. Kamadev. And millions of these cupids, the most beautiful forms in this world, millions are, are defeated by the beauty of Krishna. So, Rupa Goswami, he has um, many beautiful descriptions of the Lord, and he, he describes the quality of Krishna as having unsurpassed beauty. And he says that if we want to enjoy this world, if we want to enjoy our friends and family and society in this world, and don't look at Krishna, who's standing on the bank of the Yamuna, near Kesi God. Kesi God is a place in Vrindavan where Krishna killed the Kesi demon, the demon that came in the form of the horse. Um, 
said, don't look at that, Krishna. He was standing there in his threefold vivid form. And he is charming the world with his flute. And he's looking mesmerizing to all the three worlds. So we don't want to lose that connection in this world and don't look at Krishna because Krishna will charm us. And it's described that all the goddesses of fortune, actually all the uh, Lakshmis, they're attracted to Krishna just like iron is attracted to a magnet. And that's their relationship to Krishna, is that they can never leave Krishna. They're always connected to Krishna. And so we also have this attraction to Krishna that's intrinsic within us. But just like a magnet that loses um, that magnetic um, ability to connect magnetically, being covered by filth or dirt, in this world we're covered by um, sense enjoyment. And so we can't be charmed by Krishna, who's the all-charming. So through the process of devotional service, and when we get closer to Krishna, then we can be, these layers can be peeled back and this all attractive nature of Krishna can charm us once again. Because this is our natural uh, position, is to be charmed by Krishna. Uh, Srila Prabhupada says in Bhagavad Gita, in relationship to the verse of higher taste, he says, one who has tasted the beauty of the Supreme Lord Krishna, in the course of his advancement in Krishna consciousness, no longer has a taste for dead material things. So this is our constant prayer and desire to be free from these coverings that keep us from being mesmerized by Krishna. We really want that. And so the process of Krishna consciousness means that we're being enchanted by Krishna, we're being pulled towards Krishna. But we don't want to stop that process. It's like when you put when you put iron one inch closer to the magnet, the magnet jolts forward and slams into the iron. So in the same way, when we always strive to to increase um, our offering to Krishna, that magnetic force will, will pull us in more and more. And so this beauty. Um, is is in the form of Krishna, but it's even more manifest more when we get to know the personality of Krishna. Just like uh, you may have had experience, maybe even in your life, romantically or through friendships, when you hear about somebody and you start to hear about their qualities, and they start to to express um, different experiences they've had with this person. So you, you, you begin to form some vague understanding or some, some, some idea about that person. You may see a picture and say, oh, that person is very, very beautiful. But then when you meet that person, then there's a, a whole other experience. That ideas that you form, they become solidified or they become um, changed, transformed through the meeting. We actually have that meaning. And the form, the beautiful person who enchants us, um, sometimes they call it love at first sight, and they become enchanted by somebody. But 
So in the process of developing that relationship, that attraction can increase or it can be lost. So to the process of relating to that person, then we begin to have experiences with that person. So we can hear more about how that person interacts in the world, that person's good qualities of care, kindness, compassion, generosity, perseverance. We get to hear and then we get to experience that. So we can, then we get to actually engage with that person and firsthand experience that. And what happens to the beauty of that person? So it, it transforms. So first we were, we were struck by what we heard about the person, the person's physical form or manifest form. But then through the experiences and the qualities of that person, when we look at that person, their beauty magnifies because we get to know and fully experience these direct interactions. And then we, and then we develop a history. We start to develop sweet memories. And that's why the spiritual energy, this relationship is always increasing. Because in this world, we can develop memories for 30, 40, maybe 50 years. But in our eternal relationship with Krishna, there's unlimited memories that become stored in our consciousness. Like Krishna says, I can remember everything that you and I experienced together, but you cannot because you're under this illusory potency. But like the devotees, they can conjure up memories of Krishna, and this enhances the beauty and the love between the devotee and Krishna. Like when Krishna left Vrindavan, Mother Yashoda, Nanda Maharaj, all the coward boys and gopis, they're thinking about all the memories that they had in relationship to Krishna, how Krishna would behave, how he would, you know, carry Nanda Maharaj's shoes on his head to, to his father, and how he would um, sometimes pull the little girl's hairs and chase, chase the cows and the calves, or, or let the calves off the, their, their ropes and slide in the mud like you see in the Krishna movie, that cute little movie. <laughs> uh, and so they're, they're thinking about all these, all these pastimes. And so you can think about that over time, every time you look at Krishna, Krishna's more beautiful. It's like a flood of memories comes into the consciousness. Oh, I remember when Krishna did that. I remember this experience. I remember this sweet exchange with Krishna, that glance by Krishna. I remember when Krishna just, for no reason other than his love, decided to be my chariot driver. Or for King Yudhisthira, he decided to take on this political role of delivering messages to the core of us. This as a menial servant. Remembering these activities then solidifies and enhances that beauty of Krishna. And one quality of Krishna, how he's Bhaktivedanta saw, is his only, his only mode of operating is to please his devotees. And he's not concerned with external consequences. That's the difference between Krishna and Lord Ramachandra, 
or other incarnations. If you remember Lord Ramachandra, he had to reject Sita. Oh, he never rejects Sita, but externally he had to because his reputation was at stake as a Rajavishi, as a great king. And because Ravana, that she had been so called touched by Ravana, although we learned that it was only her shadow, the shadow reflection of Sita, because Sita can never be touched by Ravana. Because of that, he had to reject Sita. Externally, he had to reject her. But Krishna is never concerned with his reputation. That's the difference between Krishna and the other incarnations. Is that no matter what, Krishna does things to please his devotees, no matter what the consequences. And similarly, the devotees of Krishna do the same. Like the gopis are always being um, criticized, and they're ostracized by society because they're enchanted by the Lord, and they superficially engage in illicit activities, going to meet the Lord in the dead of the night. So they're ostracized by society. So this is the, the special relationship of Bhaktivatsal and pure Prima Bhakti that Krishna and the devotees exchange. So if we're afraid, if, we're, if we don't like being criticized, just remember that the gopis are also criticized and ostracized. They go through so much. Actually, Krishna causes um, so much <laughs> distrust superficially, but it just enhances the love. And so what Krishna does is to enhance this service Enhance this love that he gives towards his devotees. Like, for instance, he he doesn't care for his his reputation as a chatriya. He breaks his vow. If you remember when the um, at the end of the battle of Kurukshetra, when Ashwatthama releases the Brahmastra, Lord is not supposed to fight. He's already almost broken his vow when he's going to attack Bhishma to protect Arjuna. But now with the Brahmastra, he again actually breaks his vow by protecting uh, Maharaj Priksha and the womb of Uddha. So his reputation as an honest chatriya, he leaves aside for his devotee. So he's a breaker of promises. He's a butter thief. He's a, he's a thief. Now how is a thief regarded in society? Nobody likes a thief. But Krishna, to enhance the love that the residents of Vrindavan feel, steals the butter. Superficially, they don't want him to steal the butter. They complain to Mother Yashoda. So your little boy Krishna is stealing our butter. Please take care of him and restrict him. Train him to be a better, better person. <laughs> But but actually they they actually are when they're when they're making when they're churning the butter they're actually hoping that Krishna will steal the butter. They want that. They want Krishna to take the butter. They want Krishna to break into the house. These are the most fondest memories of the residents of Vrindavan. These are these are the most cherished memories. And when Krishna has to eventually leave from Mathura, then they're all lamenting, thinking about Krishna stealing the butter. So he doesn't care for his reputation. Then he has the reputation of a sense enjoyer. 
an immoral person steals the wives of other women husbands, he steals their wives, he enjoys in the dead of night, he steals the garments from the gopis, but he doesn't care for that because it's actually an exchange of pure love. There's no lust involved. And that's why Krishna is known as Bhaktivatsa, because regardless of the of the consequences, he's just completely immersed in this exchange between his devotees, to, to serve and please his devotees. And he'll take he'll take an inferior position. Krishna will, will agree to um, be defeated. Um, he'll agree to be chastised by Radharani, and he'll be agreed to be defeated in the games he's playing with the counterpoise. So he, he takes an inferior position, and he actually likes this inferior position. He, he, he prefers this because he wants the devotees just to feel like you're my Krishna, and like maybe I'm even better than you, Krishna. He likes that. Um, so in all, in all situations, it's, it's, it's said in the, in the scriptures that the only activity the Lord has to do is to is render service to his devotees and please his devotees. Because everything else is being manifest through his energies. And in that way, he's, he's governing the whole of creation. He's controlling and maintaining everyone. So he's constantly serving everyone through his energies. Uh, but personally, all he does is he exchanges these loving relationships with the, with the devotees. Um, and it's said here, in the purport here, that the devotees want, want to see Radharani as more beautiful than Krishna. Uh, they want to see Radharani um, as more beautiful because Radharani becomes more beautiful as Krishna is more pleased, is more ecstatically pleased. And so this competition takes place that the gopis are dressing, they're preparing themselves to offer themselves to the Lord. They come before the Lord, and the Lord accepts their inner mood of loving devotion as they present themselves before the Lord. When they see Krishna's pleasure in their loving offering of themselves, they become more happy, and their effulgence and beauty increases. When Krishna sees an increase of effulgence and beauty of his beloved gopis, Krishna becomes more happy. And his charm and beauty and sweetness increase. When the gopis see that, when they see the increase of Krishna's beauty, charm, and sweetness, then the gopis become even more beautiful, more charming, more sweet. So this competition is taking place. So we also want to enter into that competition. We want to, this particular um, explanation of the increase in beauty through this competition of love is what we want to enter into. We can begin doing that right now. Everything that we do that we offer with love to Krishna enhances the pleasure of Krishna and at the same time enhances our pleasure. When Krishna sees our pleasure in relation to him, it enhances his pleasure. 
So we, we can immediately, we are entering into this every time. Because the gopis, their yajna or sacrifice was to give up social convention, to take the criticism of society, to be ostracized and to go to Krishna. Our yajna is to take the fruits of love of God given by Lord Chaitanya through Sri Prabhupada and distribute them to everyone. When we do this, this increases the pleasure of Krishna. When Krishna's pleasure increases, his beauty increases. And then that charms our hearts. And like that, the relationship can ever increasingly progress to the degree that we just continue to perform the yoga, to, to give a loving offering to Krishna. And so the greatest gift, actually, the greatest gift ever given to Krishna is love for himself. Because as described that Radharani experiences unlimitedly more bliss and joy through her being immersed in this charm and service of Krishna, to being completely mesmerized by Krishna's beauty. So it's said that Krishna wants to taste that love. But actually, another way to see is that actually Radharani wants to give that love. Because Radharani wants to give Krishna the thing that will make him most happy, the most bliss and most pleasure. So it's not that, it's not that when the Lord comes as, as Lord Chaitanya, it's not that he just wants to selfishly enjoy. Nothing Krishna does for enjoyment is selfish. Is that actually, he wants to enter into understanding Radharani's love, he wants to please Radharani by accepting this gift of love because Radharani actually becomes most happy when Krishna comes as Lord Jaitanya. Because the most bliss that can be experienced by God is in the form of Lord Jaitanya. Because he's experiencing the happiness of Radharani. And the happiness of Radharani is way beyond the happiness of Krishna. So, and simultaneously, he's serving all the devotees, he's pleasing everyone in the form of Lord Jaitanya. So he's acting as fully as Bhaktivatsa. And so he's charming the, the world. And so actually, actually Lord Jaitanya is even more beautiful than Krishna. Because Radharani, because of her ecstatic love for Krishna, the love for Krishna's beauty is reflected on the face of Radharani. And so that effulgent beauty of Radharani comes in the form of Lord Jaitanya. And so, being able to serve this beloved Lord, Sri Krishna Jaitanya, is the most ecstatic position in, in, in existence. Because we get to experience and be part of Krishna experiencing the most pleasure that is available at any time, place, and circumstance within the whole existence. So, this is a great opportunity to enhance the pleasure of, of Lord Jaitanya in this mood of love for Krishna. And and that's contagious and we can be immersed in that fully. Um, Yeah, and so that, that is the, that's the mood of his servitorship towards all of us. That's his gift to all of us. Uh, that's his weapon, is his beauty.
described by Jiva Goswami that the weapon of Lord Chaitanya, because Krishna always comes with weapons to this world because there's always demonic people in this world. And that is one of his primary reasons for coming here is to destroy the demons. So instead of bringing weapons that destroy the demons into impersonal liberation, they could come in his kaki and, and cut off all the heads of the demons, which everyone in Kali Yuga will be extremely degraded at the end of this age. But his weapon is, no matter what our position is, no matter what we deserve karmically, he, wants, he charms us through his mood of Lord Jaitanya because he's in the most ecstatic bliss of, of the highest feelings of, of love and happiness that God experiences. And in that mood, he just distributes that everywhere. And that's his weapon. So I personally pray that I can enter into this competition of love, that I can do something that pleases Krishna, and Krishna can become happy with me, and in that way, um, I can be charmed by Krishna. And when, when, when that magnet becomes free of all that dirt and grime and, and claps on to that iron, when the iron becomes free and clasps on to the magnet of Krishna, then that never can be broken apart. Like, magnets in this world can be broken apart, but that being charmed, and that was the end, that was the end of this material existence for Narada Bhumi, when he saw the form of Krishna. That was the end of the end in this world for Narada Bhumi. Because he completely charmed, and then he ended up being situated in this swarup of preaching Krishna consciousness. Same for Dhruva Maharaj. That was the end of material existence for Dhruva Maharaj, seeing he fully saw the beauty of the Lord. And and this is happening right here with the Kumaras. Because the Kumaras, that was their goal, to come and, and see the Lord. But what they didn't know is that they would give up the impersonal conception and be completely charmed by the Lord and become devotees. And once they become devotees, then nothing else, nothing else can stand in that. Every other theory, every other belief, idea, activity becomes defeated when someone is charmed by the beauty of Krishna and begins to render service. In other words, sometimes we, we or not sometimes, constantly we, we change our position and our desires and our activities in this world. But once somebody attains pure Krishna consciousness, then that defeats all other ideas and all other lifestyles in this world. And never again can we do anything else. Because it totally crushes the enjoyment of this world. It totally supersedes any level of pleasure that we can experience here. And so that's also why the deity manifests to us. The deity comes so we can be charmed. And you know, every day um, in most temples, we have a preaching center. So our deity standard is, is very simple. But there's Stringer Arti, where we greet the deities. That's actually the deities have been dressed. So Stringer Tan Mandira Machinado. The disciples engaging, the gurus engaging the disciples and beautifully dressing 
and cleansing the deities and cleansing the temple and decorating the, the Lord with ornaments. And, and so every day the Lord is coming before us to, to charm our hearts. But to the degree that we surrender to the process of Krishna consciousness, uh, we try to do, we're trying to do better all the time with our offering, with our, the offering, the sankirtan offering. Um, sankirtan means that we mutually together come together to perform the sacrifice for the age. Sankirtan yajna. So that is the only, that is the best means to please um, the Lord, and to in doing so, as we're coming together, we're serving the Lord through through Harinam Sekhetan, that the Lord becomes pleased with us, and every morning when we when we greet the deities, He reveals His beauty and charm to us more, and we get pulled in, and we become absorbed and, and situated like the goddess of fortune, never moving from the lotus feet of the Lord. We get sucked into that, that charm and beauty of Krishna, where we can never leave, which is what happened to Janani Vas and Hachajangri in Mayapur. They were going, they're going to be the Pujaris in Mayapur, and they thought we'd stay here for a year. And they got absorbed in their service, and now they've been there for 40 years. Because once, based on the sincerity of the devotees who surrender to the Lord, once they experience the awakening of their their eyes become anointed with this loving attraction for the Lord as the infection increases, then how can you leave that? How can you leave that sweetness? How can bees leave honey, honeycomb? You just get stuck there. You don't want to go anywhere else. Like when it's sweet, when it's good, and it's good. You want to you want to be there. <laughs> you want to experience that. So, okay, and everything becomes beautiful in in relationship to Krishna. And Krishna is the the source of beauty. So the the holistic beauty that exists, um, that is available, is found in Krishna. Krishna is that reservoir of beauty. So anything beautiful that you see. It's just a spark of Krishna's beauty. So when you when we actually we have the form of the Lord revealed to us, that is something special. It's like a collection of all the beauty in existence is right there in that in that form of Krishna. So if we awaken to that, we can never take our eyes off that. Like the gopis, they're criticizing the Creator because they have eyelids and. That's the type of awakening of love where you can't even notice when your eyes blink. But the gopis, they're furious about it. Why have you created these eyelids? Because for that split fraction of a second, I can't see my beloved Krishna. That's how they feel, actually. That's the type of attraction that's awakened for, for the form of Krishna. Okay. Do we have any... Insights or comments or questions? Yes? Where in Ohio are you from? <laughs> <laughs> from um, Berea? Oh, really? Yeah. I, I moved a lot as a kid. I, I'm from Cleveland originally, but uh, I, I went to high school in Middlebury Heights in Park. I remember. I remember. I'm from, I lived in Brook Park, and so like half the people went to Berea and half went to Middlebury Heights. 
Most of my friends went to Korea. There's some arrangement by Krishna where people from Ohio have come together. Because Mother Sinani, Mother Sinani's from Cincinnati. Yeah. They're from Ohio. I was born in Korea. I was from Ohio. You're from Ohio. So somehow or other, it's some karmic, Krishna karma. What guys unite? I wanted to go to Korea really bad. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Once um, there was a fight between the black people and the white people, and I found the black side for the Greeks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was homeschooled there. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you. 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 Thank you.